Hello, just to tell you what is coming up on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about credit soaring and searching, the first thing that a bank does when they're looking at lending you money. Uh, I'm also going to be talking about the different world of mortgage options that are out there and some other things to be thinking about. And then I'm going to be interviewing an estate agent to try and give you some ideas and tips on what you need to be thinking about when you're out there talking to those estate agents. So enjoy and I hope you like it. Getting on the Property Ladder, the podcast with Scott Rawlings. Hello and welcome to episode three of Getting on the Property Ladder, the podcast. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about credit scoring. I'm also going to be looking at um, some of the different mortgage options that you might want to be uh, aware of when it comes to choosing a mortgage and also talking a little bit further about the insurances that I mentioned um, in the last episode. Um, In terms of credit scoring, so the first thing a bank is going to do when it's looking at lending you money is they're either going to do a credit search or a credit score. So a credit search is an underwriter getting your credit report and looking at what you've been up to over the years. Um, A credit score, though, is a computer system that gives you points for various things in your life, such as uh, are you on the voters roll? How long have you had a bank account? How long have you been in your job? How many addresses have you had in the last three years? And at the end of it, you get a computer says yes or a computer says no. So things that will make it say no are not being on the voters roll. So if you can be on it, be on it. Also, not having your bank address as the same address that you're on the voters roll. A lot of people get bank statements sent to parents' addresses, but try not to do that. Try and have it married up to wherever you're on the voters roll. Then it's all the sort of bad things like uh, late payments, missing payments, county court judgments, defaults, that sort of thing. So a really good first step if you're thinking of getting on the property ladder, is to order your credit report. Lots of different places you can do that. Um, Experian, Equifax, First Union, ClearScore. There's lots and lots available. Most of them let you apply for a free trial and you can then get the report. Um, I've got details of that. So head over to scottrawlings.co.uk and drop me a message and I will Uh, send you a link to go on to one of those free trials. So yeah, once you get your credit report, generally it reads like gobbledygook. So a lot of data in there that the banks need. So send it to your broker or even myself and I'll help you with that, tell you what you can sort of be aware of on there. Now you can check your own credit as much as you like and it will not affect your score. However, if you went to lots of banks and said, okay, can I get a mortgage? And then they checked your credit. Every time they check you, that's going to make your score worse. So you don't want to be doing too much of that. So step one, get your own credit report. Then when you're close to buying, and by that I mean you've started viewing properties, you're thinking about making second viewings, and that's a good time to get in touch with your bank or your broker and they can help you get what's called an agreement in principle. Now, an agreement in principle is where the bank does do a credit check and it says, yep, we're happy to lend you this money uh, based on your credit score. And that gives you a piece of paper that you can then use to go and take to the estate agents, etc. In the next episode, by the way, I'm going to be talking about estate agents and um, covering off some uh, thoughts and things to do around that. But yeah, so for now, um, get your credit report, but then do get in touch with um, the people that are going to help you nearer the time to get your agreement in principle in place. So as I say, 
you can check your own credit as much as you like. And keeping an eye on your credit is a really good thing. Even if you're not planning on buying for a year or so, keep an eye on your credit because if there are issues on your credit file or indeed there are mistakes, it can take a long time for the credit reference agencies or the banks to get that amended and sorted out showing correctly. So really good first step is to look at your credit and just see what's there. Okay, so I want to now give you a bit of an introduction to the world of sort of jargon really in the world. So you've got loads and loads of different mortgage options. So just to sort of um, give you a bit of an overview, you've got should you look at repayment or should you look at interest only? Should you look at a fixed rate or should you look at a tracker rate? Should you do a 25-year mortgage or should you do a 35-year mortgage? And probably the best type of mortgage is completely different for each and every one of you because it's based on your own attitude to risk, whether you're a cautious person or not. It might relate to your size of deposit. It might relate to your age. It might relate to lots of different circumstances around how long you might be living in the property, whether you're planning to start a family, etc. So it's not something that we can sort of decide, okay, this is the best one for everybody because like I said it's very dependent on everyone's circumstances so definitely talk to your bank about all the different options definitely talk to your broker but yeah there's a lot of decisions that you're going to need to make and do not rely on someone that's recently got a mortgage and just go with what they went for because it's going to be tailored for yourself there's so many decisions to make so to give you an example a fixed interest rate is one that cannot go up or down and is set in stone for a period of time, normally two to five years, so that you've got security and certainty of what your payments are going to be for that period of time. You don't have to worry about whether rates go up or down during that fixed period. You've got certainty. An alternative to that is to go for a tracker rate, which can go up and down in line with the Bank of England base rate. And if you were someone that was hoping that rates would go down and therefore your costs go down and you're not a particularly cautious person, you might consider that. But if you were more sort of cautious, then you might consider a fixed rate. So that's just one example of the many decisions that you're going to need to make. I go through this in a lot more detail in my book, Getting on the Property Ladder. Hopefully I don't bang on about that too much, but please do check that out. Uh, Or indeed, get in touch on scottrawlings.co.uk and I'll happily give you some guidance. Two. And so finally, in this episode, uh, before we dive into the interview, I just want to talk a little bit about the different insurances that are involved. So um, first of all, you've got buildings and contents insurance. Um, So this is where you're insuring the property itself. Pretty much if you're buying a house, um, most of the banks will insist on you at least having buildings insurance, but it's really a good idea to consider contents insurance as well. Then you've got other types of insurances. So this is um, things like income protection, life insurance, critical illness cover, accident, sickness and unemployment cover. There's loads and loads of different insurances. I go through these in a lot of detail in the book. But again, really a good idea to have a bit of a conversation with your broker or your bank about the different insurances and look at what you do need and what you don't need. But as I said last episode, budgeting for some money on insurance is a pretty good idea. Okay, so hopefully that was useful, gives you a quick intro to those sorts of things. Um, But let's dive straight into our interview. Uh, In the next episode, I'm going to be looking at the world of estate agents. So we're going to be going into a bit of detail about the different types of property, which ones are easier to get a mortgage on than others, and a little bit of info on dealing with estate agents. So Uh, Look forward to seeing you in the next episode. 
Okay, so uh, welcome back, everybody, um, to Getting on the Property Ladder, the podcast. And uh, today I am going to be interviewing um, Sean McNamara, who heads up the London development sales at CBRE. Uh, CBRE is a large uh, commercial and real estate firm. And Sean has a lot of experience from an estate agency perspective. And seeing as that's how uh, a lot of first-time buyers are going to be accessing the properties via the various estate agents. I thought it'd be quite a good idea to get some inside info uh, from the people on the ground that we're going to be sort of dealing with and talking to. So, uh, hello, Sean. Hi, Scott. Nice to nice to join you today. Thanks for having me. How is it all going? Yeah, it's been a um, an interesting year, I think, uh, so far. Uh, it's probably the easiest way to say it. Uh, obviously, dealing with lockdown, coming out of lockdown. Um, we started the year uh, very positively, um, and you know there was a real kind of really kind of good bounce back into the market. And then, as you say, you know, we went into lockdown from March through until you know kind of where we could all start kind of reopening. Um, but since we've kind of reopened a couple of months, we've seen some really good positive signs. Um, lots of people back out into the market. Lots of people wanting to kind of view inquiries have kind of gone up. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so no, so we're, we're hoping, you know, kind of this kind of positivity kind of continues. Um, we've obviously had the stamp duty news, which is, as I say, kind of also kind of helped, um, especially obviously first time buyers, which is kind of fantastic. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, so it's, uh, it's, um, it's definitely better than it was when we were looking at it in March and April. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, in, in a nutshell, how is the market at the moment? Is it crazy? Are there, are there 10 buyers for every property? Are there bidding wars? What, what sort of trends are you seeing at the moment? Um, I think everything is always a little bit different. It depends where you're kind of looking. Um, uh, my understanding is, so I, we concentrate a lot within the new build market, although obviously we do have um, secondhand market as well um, throughout London. I've heard from friends and things like that, that, you know, kind of uh, there's areas outside of London that are going kind of crazy where people are looking to, to kind of move, move to. Uh, we're finding the first time help to buy kind of market um, is still incredibly, incredibly busy. Um, and then the higher the market uh, is, um, is, is still a little bit more cautious. So I think every, every pocket is always different. Every area always has a different kind of story um and kind of reactions to the kind of the marketplace kind of at the moment um but um as, as you said like yeah the inquiry levels we've seen them uh the, the month just gone we were above the previous month last you know kind of the year before um and we're kind of oh, double triple figures you know kind of compared to where we were as i said kind of, kind of uh, during kind of lockdown so uh it's um crazy in places um kind of a little bit slower in other places so always a different story um depending on the, the part of the market that you're kind of looking at from a first time buyer's point of view which obviously we're talking about here um i would say that that is still you know the most and one of the most kind of active parts of the marketplace um so it's uh, definitely about you know kind of getting your ducks in a row and um, understanding what you're kind of after to make sure that you uh, end up with the property that you want yeah Absolutely. So it's definitely increased demand. We've, we've definitely seen that. Um, so if I can sort of uh, quiz you on a, a couple of things. So I often get told um, in the process that actually the estate agent works for the seller and therefore doesn't have the buyer's interests at heart. Now, 
is that true would you say that's a fair comment i think it's uh yeah it's a funny one that one. i think on a technical point of view obviously the seller pays um the agency's fees so um therefore you know the, the seller is our client um as they are obviously kind of um, going to be paying us for the work that we do however i don't think that a good agent would only have the, the seller's you know, kind of interests at heart um as you know kind of they've got to make sure that you know kind of everyone is happy and the deal obviously kind of works and that's obviously building a rapport up with the buyer the ironicness obviously i suppose is that a lot of the agents actually spend more time with the buyers you know kind of they'll you know kind of meet them on the first day they'll take them out on viewings um, and quite often they'll end up spending you know kind of hours and hours and hours to kind of together far much more time than they sometimes spend with the actual seller so there's naturally a bit more of a rapport that builds up there um, they get to understand you know kind of what they're after what their needs are so they should obviously kind of always be kind of listening and kind of building that up uh, more so and probably in the back of their head you know kind of have in mind that you know this the, the future buyer is also going to be a future client as well um because at one stage they're probably going to want to sell upsize or you know kind of whatever else they're going to be looking to do so from a technical point yes the seller is our client as they pay our fee does the uh, negotiator always have or the agent always have uh, the, the buyer's heart uh, interest at heart only they shouldn't they should obviously be listening to both sides and making sure that you know kind of agreement and uh, the, the journey can happen in the right and in the right way yeah it's about getting a deal done isn't it and having two happy parties at the end of it the buyer's happy with the price they're paying the seller's happy with the price they're getting and they just want that to go through smoothly yeah absolutely absolutely and i think you know as i said look, the agent should be listening to the buyers and what the buyers kind of want um the agent should also um you know throw in a few left field choices you know they should also challenge their buyers on what their preconceptions are always been a big big believer on that you know kind of nine times out of ten people go in looking for x and come out with y and the y was the right answer you know, kind of, do I need a two bedroom or a one bedroom? Do I need a, a one bedroom, but then I end up buying a two bed? Or, you know, kind of, and I think, you know, kind of a, a good agent should always be, you know, kind of challenging that buyer on, yes, does that property fit their moment for now? But is it going to be suitable for something in three years, for them in three years' time? Is it going to be suitable for them in five years' time? Moving and selling, let's bear no bones about it, it's, it's very expensive to do so. So, you know, kind of, you do need to look at that longevity of, you know, kind of um, the, that property fit for you. Uh, so I am, I am a believer that, you know, as I say, kind of an agent should should kind of, you know, challenge within reason, but should definitely, you know, kind of question, you know, some of the, um, you know, kind of buyers' wants and needs uh, to make sure that that's, you know, kind of not just for now. And it was obviously, it's, it's future-proofed as well. That is very interesting because I've heard stories where, agents have shown buyers properties that were not sort of on their radar and I'd always had the assumption that that was because they had to tick certain stats on how many viewings they got on a property but I'd never even thought of it that they're actually challenging that buyer is this really what you want so that's that's a very interesting point to hear thank you for that before I guess a first-time buyer or any buyer is talking to an estate agent they're probably online doing their various searches on all the sort of online sites like Rightmove, Zoopla, On The Market, etc. I guess in terms of that, any sort of particular bits of info or tips that you've got for any of that sort of online stuff that, that, that they should be sort of doing research on? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, the internet and uh, stuff online is absolutely amazing these days. You know, you can really see 
well, pretty much everything from right music there and you know you can walk up and down on google street view and you can see how much they pay for electricity and all sorts so the information you can get is is kind of great i would i would always as you say how do you approach the agent and things like that then you're generally going to send probably an inquiry via an email you know kind of via the property that you like uh, and it will go through the agency office and then they'll contact you i think it's good to try and put whether it be 20 minutes, half an hour aside to just basically have a conversation with that agent, especially if it's an area where you're interested in that location and you want to know more and you want to know about future properties that are kind of coming on. Um, just so that agent understands, as I said, obviously kind of what, what you are after and they can obviously kind of keep you kind of updated and keep you informed. We often find these days that, you know, everything happens so much over text whatsapp you know kind of and uh, emails and the rest of it good if you can you know from from a, my advice for a space for a first time buyer if you can find the time to come and put a good 30 minutes 40 minutes into the diary of just having a general conversation with that agent about what you're after and then the rest of it in relation to organizing viewings and stuff like that can all happen over you know kind of emails and, and texts but that would be that would be my my um my hint as i said obviously kind of also that agent will then just get to know you a bit better as well so when they do get new stock on, they know who to call and they know to give you a bit of a, a bit of a heads up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in my book, I mentioned that often properties get sold before they even get listed on those online sites. And therefore that relationship with the agent is key so that you are the first person they think of when they take on a, a, a new property or stock, as you say. Exactly. And, and I say, I mean, we obviously deal a lot within the new builds as well. So, um, you know, kind of quite often online, uh, you'll only have a small selection that's that's obviously kind of available, and there'll be a, then there'll be a price list obviously behind that selection. But you're not going to list, you know, twenty flats onto onto Rightmove, but you'd list a A1 bed, A2 bed, and A3 bed. So it's it's good to obviously have that conversation because you never know there might be a slightly larger one bed or a slightly larger three bed or slightly smaller something a different layout or a different part of the building with a different aspect. Kind of available that you're not aware of so it's always good to just have that kind of conversation um rather than just looking online um i mean i, I look online a lot uh, maybe a bus on holiday but um uh, and i've probably, probably moved about ten thousand times you know kind of but you know kind of without actually uh, kind of actually visiting the place so you know kind of again it's great to look online but go have a walk around the area you know kind of go and see what it's like at different times of the day sit on a park bench or on a bench on the street watch the street go by kind of all of those kind of bits and bobs online isn't going to give you that and to be honest that's what you're going to know whether you feel comfortable walking home off the train at six o'clock or walking home from the pub at 11 o'clock um all of those bits and bobs are going to be you know kind of from actually visiting the place so I would still say you know, kind of spend some good quality time in the area that you're looking at just so you get a real good feel and understanding of it. Some useful tips. So when it comes to then looking at different properties and deciding between them, obviously, especially in London, but all up and down the country, you're normally looking at either new build or something that's not new. Um, any sort of tips or comments on when comparing the two or how to compare one new build to another, etc.? Again, I think it goes down to what you're, what you're looking for. Um, I suppose we're predominantly new developments, although obviously said we do sell kind of resales as well. So I'm, I'm probably have a bit more of an affiliation towards the, the new homes. However, saying that, you know, kind of, I think it's, it's always down to what suits you kind of 
personality-wise, personal, what your personal preference is. There has probably been, I think, a bit of a stigma from years and years ago, obviously kind of about kind of new homes, whereas actually now, you know, kind of the, the amount of effort from the, that side actually goes into the placemaking, that building, that community, all of those kind of aspects that I think was probably missing from it, you know, 10 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of these developments now have, you know, they have some have, you know, gyms and swimming pools and you know, the fitness classes that go with it and, uh, you know, kind of communal rooms and libraries through to obviously some that just have, you know, a concierge and a communal garden. But what they all try and do is, uh, I say, kind of most of them when they're up and running, they all have, you know, kind of in-house either Facebook groups or, you know, WhatsApp groups. And, you know, it's, it's a real, if you're new to an area, I do think that they're actually a very quick place to build community and to build friends and to build, yeah. you know, kind of people around around you so mm-hmm. I, I think this because everyone who's moving in is new and is looking for that whereas obviously with older buildings I suppose you're moving on to an established street quite often or you're moving into an established building where you know kind of that's already kind of been pre-set up um so you're kind of trying to you're trying to be the new person kind of joining in so so I think yeah as I said obviously there's kind of pros and cons obviously kind of on that side of it first time buyers obviously with the help to buy within a new build is is a great scheme um and has been obviously very very successful from the government as a a way of obviously being able people be able to kind of get onto the property ladder and help them onto the property ladder so that's obviously been a really big kind of you know kind of forefront and push within within kind of the say kind of the the new homes side of it yeah i don't i don't really you know kind of uh I'm not really putting black either in you know one camp or the other. I think it's got to it's got to be what suits you and your kind of personal and the obviously your kind of personal needs. What I would always say is like don't disregard one or the other. Be open minded and you know kind of go and go and visit as many of both just to see how you kind of kind of feel as they kind of about it. In today's world, where we're all working from home kind of more, then some of the pluses again on the new build side is that you've probably got lower or you've got better energy ratings. So your energy ratings are usually generally like A or B, mm. whereas obviously with a, with an older older properties with sash windows and all the beautiful looks that kind of come with it, it's a lot draftier. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of your, your working from home, electricity bills probably going to, and heating bills probably going to be slightly higher. And yeah, kind of, and the sake of all of those kind of, uh, kind of parts of it. So as I say, it, it, it what it's, it what's depends your lifestyle and, you know, kind of, and what, and what you like. So, so go and go and look at both and, uh, and see which ones you prefer, but don't, don't disregard, don't disregard before you've seen it. Yeah. Okay. And actually, a uh, quick question I've just thought of sticking with uh, new build. Obviously, if it's, a, if, if it's an older house and it's listed at 300,000, you would, you would generally expect to put an offer in there and negotiate on the price. With new build, are the prices set or is there negotiation on those? No, similar. There is still a negotiation kind of available exactly across the board. Obviously, different uh, developers uh, will have kind of different margins um you know kind of with it um so you know kind of um uh, but as i said obviously kind of i think with with anything uh then you know kind of anything is negotiable i think in, in obviously kind of in, any, in any world and so it's just obviously kind of putting that offer forward and finding out whether whether level is going to be yeah and you'll and that's and that's going to also come with as you say having a rapport with the agent and having a relationship of some sort with the agent so that you can ask questions like that yeah absolutely because i mean same with as you said yeah you could have that um second uh hand property and you could have two on the same street both at three hundred thousand pounds both very very similar you know one individual who's selling who is basically has no is, is selling 
without urgency and you know, wants to hold out for their absolute kind of asking price and you could have their next door neighbor but two you know kind of who's desperate to move out because they found their ideal home that they're moving to um you know kind of and it's much more you know kind of motivated to kind of get the deal done um you know kind of uh, in a quicker in a quicker way so as you said you know kind of without having that story behind you know kind of the the price so to speak uh, yeah. or behind what's going on and um, which you'll get from the agent, and as I say, you'll you'll know exactly you know kind of where where motivations lie, um, and they can steer you obviously kind of uh, uh, you know, sorry, and they can steer you in the appropriate way. Perfect. That's very useful. Thank you. So, in terms of um, next steps, so we've got a first time buyer. They're listening to this podcast. They're sort of thinking about uh, reaching out uh, and talking to agents or what have you. What what would you sort of suggest might be? Uh, someone's next steps listening to this now i think obviously they've already been on the stage as i said they've they've probably already been on as you say right move and seek for kind of quite a bit so they've got a good idea of you know kind of areas and locations where they kind of want to they want to be but they need to start getting there uh, we always say ducks in a row the horrible phase but there we go so we'll get everything kind of ready for them to kind of go on and you know start looking seriously and understanding kind of where where they and what they can kind of get the main part of that is obviously affordability so you know kind of what they what can they afford to purchase and uh this is probably where i'll throw it back to you scott is that you know kind of just doing it online on a you know kind of uh, your bank that you bank with agreement principle online is very different to what you can actually kind of afford so I'm going to throw this question quickly back to you, Scott, and say that, you know, one of the things that a first-time buyer needs to bring you to, to you to be able to give them a real good idea of, of what their affordability level is. Yeah, so at the moment, there is a lot of variation between the lenders in terms of uh, how much they're lending, what income they're taking into account, what they're not, etc. So, yeah, definitely a good idea to go and speak to a, a broker and just have information such as, how much, uh, you know, detail around your income. Sorry, there's a dog chewing a bottle nearby. <laughs> Just throw that away. <laughs> um, detail about, um, yeah, detail around income, detail around uh, what sort of deposit you've got and detail around expenditure. And then they can give you a, an accurate idea of what you're going to be able to buy, basically. I mean, that's one of the main things. From a, from a help to buy point of view, obviously the affordability level is absolutely kind of key. Um, and actually when you're putting an offer forward, uh, on help to buy stock, then the developer is part of our things that we need to check as obviously is your affordability level. It's, it's really good that we understand, you know, kind of where that, where that sits. And as I say, if you're generally just looking out in, into the market anyway, you know, you need to have an understanding, you know, kind of, of, of what your, your level, level may be. And then you need to understand the properties that you're kind of looking for. So some properties will have, especially in London, they have service charges. Um, so you need to have a bit of an understanding on where, depending on your affordability, obviously kind of what's the service charge going to be kind of on top of that, where, where that kind of sits you within the, the, the brackets, you know, kind of the, the lower amount of amenities in a building, the lower the service charge, the more amenities within a building that service charge. So depending on, you know, kind of how you sit kind of, kind of on, on that, that part of it. Next part that you need to kind of start getting kind of, um, kind of, I suppose kind of in the process is, if you're currently renting and understanding your kind of current letting term, as in the kind of can it can it be ended um, or to the end of your tenancy, what's the current situation you know, kind of on, on that side? Because again, there's nothing worse than finding something 
and then realizing you're still tied into your tenancy for another 12 months and you can't get out of your tenancy. So just understanding, real good understanding of your kind of current, say your current position. You'll have viewed a lot of properties probably online. And I'll probably go back to my previous point beforehand of uh, it's just so important to get out there and see things in the flesh. I know in today's world, that's kind of slightly different than it probably was kind of beforehand. But you know, by careful planning uh, and planning your visits and planning your viewings, it's definitely worth just seeing what it's like, you know, do the commute uh, from the station that you would be kind of then traveling from all of those bits and bobs, just really just to get a real good full understanding. So when you do see the property that you that you like, you kind of go, this is going to be the one you already have a real good understanding of where the local supermarket is, how the commuter work is going to be, what's the local hairdresser, the local pub, the local gym, the local everything else. You've already kind of got that understanding. Mm. So you can therefore make a pretty quick decision on when you see the right the right property. That, that would always be, as I say, kind of my, say kind of my advice, because too often is that you fall in love with the property and then you've got to run around and do everything else kind of afterwards. Uh, and sometimes, unfortunately, that's when you then miss out on that property or you fall in love with the property, you make an offer and then realize that everything else around it doesn't quite work. And then you've got to retract from that property and it might have cost you a bit of money to do so and time or loss and, you know, kind of all of those kind of bits, bits and bobs. So, yeah, do, do all the background, do all the background work first um, is, is, is definitely my advice on it. Those are really useful tips. I still find it fascinating that uh, first-time buyers are expected to know everything about uh, the process and the biggest purchase that they're probably ever going to have made in their lives. And they're just sort of thrown in at the deep end. So this is all um, really useful stuff. Um, so any sort of final sort of comments or tips or uh, things that you'd like to sort of add? Um, I suppose one thing we haven't spoken about uh, very quickly is obviously is um, solicitors. So again, it's good it's good to kind of um, you know kind of get a recommendation on a on a solicitor. Most agents should be able to kind of point you in the direction of kind of one. If not, you know, speak to friends and family, um, you know, who have been through it. Most people will you know quite happily recommend someone that they've had a good experience, obviously, kind of with. Uh, again, that's just really you can quite often with a with a solicitor you can register what they call as your KYC. Um, so it's like know your client. So just making sure that they've kind of registered your passport and you know, they've um, got your proof of address, all of those kind of bits and bobs. Um, and they'll do that without a charge. So then obviously when you are ready to, you know, kind of to instruct them on your purchase, then they're obviously kind of ready, ready to kind of go. Um, and you've already built that you know, kind of relationship up with that solicitor as well. So I think that's always a good thing to do. We've touched on the mortgage point, you know, kind of, which is <laughs> at the end of the day, the, the most important thing because that's how you're going to pay for it um, <laughs> so we want to make sure we want to make sure that that's right and as you said it's the biggest purchase that you will ever make in your lifetime and quite often people will spend more time getting quotes on their car insurance or you know kind of their holiday insurance than they will do on a, a loan that's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds yeah. and yeah. That's a quarter of their lifetime so, you know, kind of that's definitely the most uh, important to do. You know, get on with your agents, uh, get out, see the local stock, uh, get out, walk about, walk about town, uh, the village, wherever it kind of might be. Uh, understand where your lifestyle is going to be going, what, what's important to you. Do research on those parts of those areas. Enjoy looking for, you know, kind of what is going to be your home for the next X amount of years. It's, it, it's there to be enjoyed. It's a tangible something that you will live in, make your own. 
have fun in. Don't get bogged down with too many statistics of this borough has risen by 1.2% last month, but then dropped by 0.8% the month after. You're going to be there for years and years and years. Just enjoy what it's going to be for, you, for yourselves and basically embrace it. And, and that terms would be, would be my advice for it. Amazing. Um, thank you so much um, for giving me your time on what I'm uh, sure is probably a very busy time for you at the moment uh, with the market uh, as it is. So thank you so much. Um, so for if anyone has any uh, questions that they'd like me to put um, to Sean and his team, uh, then please do get in touch at scottwallings.co.uk and let me know your questions and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll happily sort of put those across um so yeah thank you sean um that's been super useful and hopefully has given um the first time buyers some insight into the world of the estate agent and they shouldn't be scared of these uh, scary estate agents so that's been very kind thank you very much <laughs> thanks scott thanks for your- Thanks for listening and don't forget to head over to scottrawlings.co.uk to get in touch with Scott and access lots of extra content.